listener exclusive. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. It is Monday, September 19th. Uh, welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, uh, we had one blowout on the weekend, one nail-biter to help us separate these two games and get a better insight, of course. <laughs> Let's go straight to our resident expert, Podcast Mike. Uh, what did you think of the weekend's action? Oh, well, I was actually, I was really busy on Friday, so I actually <laughs> missed that game. But yeah. Okay, good start. Saturday night. You were was... not the only person. Brisbane also yeah. missed that game. Yeah. A lot of players yeah. from Brisbane. Joe Danaher missed it again. I think he was having another baby. Can I just say, I had one leave pass. I had some friends in town, the boys, and I had one yeah. leave pass and the discussion was like, should we watch Sydney Collingwood or should we watch yeah. or should we watch Brisbane uh, uh, at the Cats? And I chose, I did not choose wisely. Uh, as oh, really? The, as the Knight, of, Knight Templar says to Indi, Indiana oh, Jones no. at the end of Last Crusade, I did not choose wisely. I can't fucking believe it. it was the most boring game after the first quarter. And I was like, oh no, this is not exciting. This is not fun. It was almost so bad that I was going to revoke the title of best season, best <laughs> final series that I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, this game has soured the rest of how much I've enjoyed this season. And then, of course, uh, we got to the rest of the weekend. So, Podcast Mike, you were doing something Friday night, but Saturday yeah. around sort of late afternoon, early evening, what were you doing? So I watched the Sydney Swans-Collingwood Magpies game. And I, and I will say as well... Mike's big year of footy begins. <laughs> Last week on the show, we made a premature call uh, that Brisbane were going to win the grand final. That was my now, premature call. When you call. say we, <laughs> I think it was when you say we, what do you mean by all we? All of us here at Podcast Mike Incorporated <laughs> made that okay, call. Yeah, all right. That sure, was a preliminary okay. call that we do yeah. acknowledge was... We, we called yeah. it too early, but we did watch... We watched, uh, went over to my parents' house because funnily enough, yeah. my dad actually loves footy. So I watched it right. with my mum and dad. And Why don't we have your dad on the podcast? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> like, your dad Mate, is, your dad, is your dad aware that you are a part of a football podcast even uh, though you have, no, don't watch football? Does he know that? Or do you just tell him about <laughs> Hamish and Andy and not bring this shit up? Is that what no, happens? No, because I don't think my dad really knows what a podcast is. Uh, He's like I was gonna one say, of those generations. I was going to say, could we refer to him as podcast dad and get him on the show? <laughs> Yeah, you can. So I think I watched it with him and my mom. Yeah. It was really good. And then I think the main thing I thought about um, yeah. the Collingwood, like Collingwood's play and what cost them the game was, I think they just got their backline matchups wrong. Like they should have had yeah. Darcy Moore on Franklin from the start <laughs> I, as opposed to Braden so, right? Maynard because Maynard's 15 <laughs> centimetres shorter than him. And if Buddy was going to kick like... They, they had no chance on Buddy with Maynard yeah. at the top. I think they had to have Darcy Moore up yeah. there and they didn't. That's what cost them the game. That's right. Don't lose against what you know, mm. right? What I did realise though from watching this match is that there is there is a burning passion inside mm. me for AFL. Mm. And what I realised is oh, yes. even more, and I know lots of football people listen to this podcast, oh, is that here we go. I actually have, I, I didn't know this, but I actually have quite a knack for AFL commentary. Um, so <laughs> what I thought I'd do, just oh, in God. case there's any oh, jobs out there or someone who wants to kind of yeah. fill, um, you know, get a junior commentator in, I recorded my commentary of sort of the last few minutes of yeah. the game. And uh -huh. what I would like you guys to imagine is that this is like a highlights package on Triple M or something of like, here's okay. the last five minutes of the game and here's how we called it here on Triple M and then this is what you'd hear. Oh, my God. Oh, nah, it's all over for the... Oh, oh, oh. We've got one of those things where they throw the ball in the air and they have to 
fight over it. Oh, oh now we're, now we're going to get another one of those things. All right, 18 seconds on the clock. Can they do it? Oh, no, oh, 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 oh. It's all over. No, it's all over for the pie. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, and there goes the battle. Oh, 94. Is it over? What happened, Dad? Explain what. Ah. Ah. That's bullshit. Now, Mike, just one question. (laughs) Were you commentating the footy or were you playing a game of Soggy Biscuit? (laughs) Because it was hard to tell from all that grunting and groaning and yelling. That's just what footy does to me, though. It does. You have a real passion inside you, a burning passion for understanding the game. My personal highlight was, so what happened, Dad? (laughs) Can you explain what happened? Well, it was kind of weird because the guy got like had Uh the ball at the goals with one second on the clock and he still had to kick it and then the siren went. So everyone in the room was a bit confused at that point, but dad cleared it up for us. He just had to (laughs) kick it and the siren went. (laughs) So that was my week of footy and while we are gearing up for an amazing grand final. We are. Do you think you'll watch it? uh, I'm 100% watching it. Uh, yeah. I might even do some, a whole commentary stream of it. I'm not sure yet, though. Um, Who do you back for the big game, the big dance? Uh, probably Geelong. I've, actually, yeah. I'm going to call it now. Having Geelong. not seen them play at all <laughs> in the final series or even on Friday night, I just can't what is past Geelong. What is it about Geelong it's, that appeals it's to Geelong you? Geelong by five points next week. That's my lock of the week. Oh, hey. and, <laughs> Copyright, you guys won cup, not and, Podcast Mike Incorporated. I think they've just been playing really well and um, you don't need they to watch have. a team like Geelong because you just hear about no. them. You, you hear yeah. them. So It's yeah. the word on the street. It's the word right? on the street. Yeah. Just, That's what all the cool yeah, kids are no. saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So, look, I appreciate this very much. I thought your commentary was top notch. I, Charlie, I believe what we might have here mm. is something I have close experience of in my life. We have a Howie situation. What's that mean? We have a Howie on our hands. Okay. I'm talking about my childhood friend sat next to me in year 11 chemistry, Mark Howie Games Howard, who started as a boundary writer, the butt of the jokes of the people who were in charge. Mm. And then you know what? He got a little bit of more airtime and people were like, he's pretty entertaining, this guy. And then he gets a little <laughs> bit more airtime and then suddenly he's the main man in the commentary <laughs> right. box and then suddenly he's the main man in the TV commentary box and suddenly he's calling the ICC World Cup for international cricket and suddenly he's got his own Tonight Show that happens every week. We have ourselves, forget the Hunger Games, this is the Howie Games, this is the real-life Howie Games. We're seeing it. The podcast Mike is about to launch an empire. Or is one of us about to be white-anted? I get the feeling there's a white ant <laughs> about to take a bite out of one of us. No, mate, he's not happy with where we are. He's going to leapfrog <laughs> us. He's going to be invited to next year, podcast Mike will be invited to the Brownlow Medal and he will be like like doing online content. Yeah. You know, they did that this yeah. year. They Josh, invited Josh a whole Garlop bunch of like... And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all these like AFL influencers were suddenly at the Brownlow medal. That could be podcast Mike by next year. I would go to the Brownlow on behalf of the show and I'll ask questions yeah. just oh, off the top idea. of my head if you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, that- I would love you. you had the, how did, what did you think about last night's Brownlow? Like, let's get, just get your comments on that. What did you think about that? Well, Cripps deserved it. He's played like yeah. a champ all year, and yeah. what do you think? What do you make of the controversy though around his win, though? Podcast Mike. Uh, I mean, obviously, like that was one of I, the biggest talking points just yeah. a few weeks ago. I thought you were talking about how Gil kept pronouncing Petrarca's name wrong. It's such <laughs> oh an easy name. God. That's look, the only controversy I saw. Look at this little dirty rotten Howie that we have in our <laughs> Like ranks. I said last week, I don't pay attention to controversy in the game. I just uh, pay attention to true. the game. So, to me, the best player won it. And if anyone okay. has a different opinion, that's that's their own thing to deal with. I don't need to worry about that. Okay. <laughs> it's a very good way of looking at the world, yeah. my friend. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, for Mike's big year of footy, because I think, like, the fact that you've watched one game and, like, you know, you're already doing commentary of the game, you're already showing such a high level of engagement with the game, this burning fire inside you for football. Like, do you worry 
that like, you know, the fact that you've leapt in with like one of the greatest preliminary finals of all time and then like into a grand yeah. final that you've set your standards from what to expect from You're a game like of Anna, AFL You're like Anna Paquin hot. winning an Oscar for her first ever right. role. And then after that, it's like, well, yeah. you know, nothing's really going to top this the rest of your career. Yeah. Do you worry about that? So it's not always like Saturday night's game? I mean, it is if you're Barrack for Colin. Okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> always <true>. like that. <laughs> I think I just have to like, like all of us, I'm because ne next year is my bigger year of footy. Yeah, I'm just going to have course. to sort of, you know, get around it and ride the highs mm. and lows of the game. And I know you've mentioned this before, but so you grew up a, 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 like tangentially an Essendon supporter. Do you think yeah. you'll stick with the Bombers for 2023 or have the, have the Pies captured your imagination? No, I'm definitely Bombers all the way. I'm <laughs> okay, supporting yeah. them. I've hardcore. got a feeling you're not going to wa want to watch much footy next year. <laughs> <year's back. laughs> it's a good time to jump on, I, I believe. <laughs> This is a good time. We've to jump got on. a two-way. We've got a. We've got a one-way ticket on the Titanic, and I got a good feeling about this. <laughs> now I know that you don't, you like to avoid controversy, which is a good thing. Being a Bombers fan, and uh, <laughs> so can I ask you this? Like, controversy aside, do you think a more experienced coach, a coach who has senior AFL level, is what the Bombers are looking for, or do you believe that? Like it's time to take a risk on like a first a first time coach, maybe someone who's been in the system for a while, but like is a is a first time coach. Well, what's what's your feeling? I think that there's only one man for the job, and mm. I know what you're gonna say. Yes, it's been a controversial few years for Essendon, mm. ten years, give or take, whatever it is. But James <laughs> yeah. Heard is the right oh, man for God. the job. Are you really? Yeah, because the thing is, you're he knows the jumping in behind her. He knows okay. the team. And he knows the controversy and... Yeah? Yeah. Because he was behind. Yeah, exactly. So he knows how to make sure it doesn't happen again. So I 100% back James Heard. It takes a thief to catch it. Exactly. Is, like, is, is, this, is this, this booster for James Heard? Is this podcast Mike or podcast Mark Robinson? I can't quite tell who I'm listening to. Wouldn't it be great? Well, maybe this is Mike again being ambitious, oh, yeah. right? He's got in on the Herdy camp and he's like, in a, he's like you know what? Not a lot of people are supporting you in the media at the moment, James Hurd. Yeah. You've just got Mark Robinson and pretty much nobody else, but you know who you could have. Me. You could have the ear <laughs> of Hamish and Ed. Oh. <laughs> like, you know, he's like a little Game of Thrones villain, just like rushing around whispering in people's ears. In two years' time, AFL Thrixty will be Jared Whaley and Podcast Mike. You can <laughs> yeah. bookmark that. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's like Jared will have moved on. Jared will have finally got to the point where he's like, I cannot do this to myself every day. <laughs> Podcast Michael will be co-hosting it with Robbo. Oh Robbo never leaves. And that's what I want to say. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Podcast Mike, for your insight. Thank you, Podcast Mike. Thanks. And thank you for a, a great year of, uh, a, of football that you did not watch until the preliminary final round. The greatest of all seasons. The greatest of all seasons. <laughs> Next year will be nothing but a disappointment. But good luck to James Hurd and the Bombers. Uh, well, it was an amazing finish between yes. the Pies and the Swans. Let's, uh, let, let's listen to some professionals call the last few seconds okay. of that game. Chris in his 200th, bouncing over the top. Who does the football favour here? McInerney needs to get rid of it. Does. It's going to go through for a minor score. And the Swans, the season it was one of the more extraordinary final quarters of a of a prelim that i can remember because you just sort of felt like swans were holding them at arm's length the whole game right. and then something just happens to this fucking collingwood football team. it's kind of like I mean, they're amazing. If, they're, if they're if they're hulk hogan they hulk up in the yeah. last quarter, they just start like shaking and trembling and doesn't matter what the opposition throws at them, they start shaking their head, then they give the, the finger and they do the big point and stuff. And it's just like, they're irrepressible and it's so exciting. Like you just want to see them win. I know, because it is irresistible. It's essentially the equivalent of them giving someone a big head start and then just someone like mowing them down stall gift style. It's exciting because like in the first half, like Sydney played some of the best football that I've seen Sydney play. Like it was one of those games where I was honestly going, oh, it's amazing that like last week you won where everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's just all play fine. No yeah. one played very good. I reckon we can still win. And then you've had two weeks off and then you've gone, hey, what, what would it look like if we all just played out of <laughs> our skins the best game we've ever played in our lives? And I'm like, this Geelong Sydney grand final is going to be one of the greatest grand finals of all time. 
like Collingwood are done. And I was like, this has been a good season for yeah. Collingwood. There's nothing to be ashamed nothing. of in like what they've put together. Like Sydney are a fucking super team and, and you know, like they did their best. Good on them, right? And then they just kept, like you were just, even that thing in your head where you're like, ah, oh, like poor Dacos, like he's had yeah. a good season, but like, you know, they've, and then guys like that just started to work their way yeah. into the game and they just started to get it going and they just started to score goal after goal after goal. There was a point where I think they came out and scored the first goal the last quarter and then there was a point where the Swans got up by like 20-something points, <gasps> you know, 10 minutes into the last quarter and I remember thinking, oh, that's it, they're done. Like they rallied yeah. and that was brave but they're done. But then like, it, like a horror movie villain. <laughs> They weren't done. You got to put one in the head. Like you've just got to double tap them in the head. They just kept coming, but they the, don't give up. And they roll the dice on whether they'll get there or not get there because they could have got there, right? Like yeah. this is the whole point of this is they did not win. And like I'm, I think Sydney probably deserved to win. But like you can't say that Collingwood wouldn't have deserved to if they the ball had just rolled the right way for them. Yeah. Like you would have gone well. They won it. They gave their opposition a massive lead, and then they just gradually mowed them down. Yeah. The Dacos one, that was the one for me because I, like you, was like disappointed. It's like, ah, oh, he's been sat on pretty well. He's not really getting to the game. But then the way he got into the game with just like these incredible like football smarts, you know, just like outside the box, like creative thinking. Like I just can't think of a smarter footballer going around, especially like a smarter 18-year-old. Like just the what he does with the ball and the way he switches it and the t and his timing to switch it. Like he doesn't just do some prescribed switch. He'll make something happen. Like it's I unbelievable. Mean, in, in of itself, the fact that a first-year player is the player that's being tagged. So yeah. that in of itself is the greatest of all compliments. So if he then, if the tag had then worked, none of us would have respected him any like less, right? We all would have gone, well, fair enough. They yeah. fucking sent a guy to him to put this the job in. The best players great... have bad games and they get tagged. Right. Like Neil. Yeah, like literally every good player in the history of the game at some stage has been tagged out of a game or had a shocking game. So like no disgrace, right? The fact that they even had to send a player to you is a compliment. But then to see him change his game in the second half to work his way into it, to find another way, I was like, this motherfucker, like – he just he, he just grew like an extra dimension. He goes, okay, mm. well, I'll just have to do it differently if I'm going to get this shit done. Like, yeah. he is going to be some sort of fucking footballer. Like, he's already a good footballer, but you just see him, like, give him another season. Like, he's, yeah, he he's fucking great. There's a part of me too that wanted to see, because there were so many shots of those smug-looking Sydney supporters oh. when they got 36 <laughs> points up. Enjoying their sushi in the sun, you know, with a beautiful sunset. And I was like, I want someone to fucking ruin their day. <laughs> like it really oh, got into my head that I was like, I want to see tears. Like I want to see them just like they've had it so good for so long and they just felt like they were going to cakewalk it in when they got scared. And they did get scared. Like they were second guessing themselves. They were looking real ordinary. They went from looking like world beaters to being a very ordinary football team in the space of half an hour. And that's what I was cheering on. It felt like a scene from uh, Get Out. Yes. Like, right? Like all these like rich, smug white people finally yeah. realising that things were not going their way anymore. Yeah. And it was, I don't know if the cameraman or the director was doing this on purpose, but the absolute like shots of the Sydney fans who they just found the most like, like, yes, I own a couple of apartments in Sydney. Yes. And, uh, like <laughs> Infuriating-looking <laughs> Sydney fans you could ever put and a camera on. The roughest, like, working-class, toothless Collingwood fans they could possibly contrast them with. Did you see that one shot? It was at some point in the second quarter, I think, where, um, you know, the, just it was a routine kind of out-of-bounds decision. And they cut to two burly-looking Collingwood fans <laughs> bolting down the aisle to the fence yeah. oh, so yeah. they could the scream camera. at the umpire. Yeah, the umpire. And I just was like, I don't think I've ever seen that in like 40 years of following football. I, don't, I can't remember a time where I've seen two fans absolutely feral charge down to the fence just to yell over a, a fairly inconsequential out-of-bounds decision. 
Well, I remember that footage later in the game of the two Sydney Swans fans running towards the sushi, sushi bar to yeah. complain about their nigiri. <laughs> like, so very similar. That's what I wanted to see, just trays of sushi being thrown into the air in absolute <laughs> horror and disgust. It, yeah, but it was. I was talking this morning with, um, I'm in Sydney at the moment and uh, I was down walking the dog and getting coffee and uh, there was a guy, we all were just waiting, you know, like for the, coffee to come and there was a guy there who his two kids were in their Collingwood jumpers and so I, <laughs> you know, took a punt on the fact that they were probably up for the weekend and uh, so I just started chatting to him and uh, very nice guy and, and chatted to his kids about the game and they were, he said there were some tears and stuff at the end of the game but he said that had like an amazing time and they were off to the zoo and, you know, so it was a really, it was a nice chat but, oh my God, this one kid who I'm imagining was like, I don't know, six or seven. I don't know how old kids are, but like I'm going to say six <laughs> or seven. And I asked him about the game and his favourite players and those sort of things. He has a similarity to you. His favourite player is Cheeky Jack. Mm. But when he was talking through that push in the back in oh, the yeah. final quarter, the kid's like, anyway, his hands were clearly in his back. And I'm like, you're seven <laughs> and you blow, blow, blow are complaining about this free kick in this match. I'm like, well, you have raised him well as a Collingwood supporter. This is good parenting. Uh, speaking of Jack Ginevan, um, there was a feature done on him during the week and there was one quote particular that has caught people's attention. Um, so this is a little anecdote for, okay. as told by um, one of the Gold Coast Suns runners. So it says, a runner for the Gold Coast Suns tells of dashing out to defence at Metricon Stadium in round 16. Ginevan sized him up and said, ooh, it's the runner here to deliver a very important message from Stuart Jew, <laughs> he said in a sing-songy voice. The runner was so taken aback that he had no comeback. I was like, yeah, I am actually. He's got me there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is also classic teasing behaviour. Yeah. Like you're just describing what is happening, but if you just do it in a sing-song voice, it sounds like it's a zinger and it's not really. You're just, you actually are just describing what he's doing. It's already been turned into a Simpsons meme where um, uh, uh, Jim Bob, was it Jim Bob or uh, Jim? Well, he's the, the bully, the... Um, What's his oh, name? Jimbo? Jimbo. 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 Yeah, yeah. Jimbo sees Bart in his pajamas. Is like, nice pajamas, Simpson. Your mom buying for you? He's like, yeah, she did actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I look. It's it's been such a great year for the pies and. Like, so good. I mean, I saw that. Like, the, I you know, uh, Joey Montagna was trying to sort of you know, get a story around, oh, this was, you know, they had a, they were having an amazing year and, and this may never happen again and all the all the ducks had lined up for them and stuff. The thing that I just go, that, that I just think is ridiculous is the Dacosses. Like, they are franchise players. They are, you can build a team around two guys who can do what they do. It doesn't really matter that they miss their chance because even if they lost half their list at like 30 plus, I reckon like those two are just, they're going to be anything. Anything. Well, you just feel like the youth is good enough that those other players, because Pendlebury's still like a great player. And yeah, like Sidebottom's still playing good football. Like, it's not like those guys you think, they're, and they're both absolute professionals, right? So mm. you know that they're going to do their best to come back next season, particularly with the idea that you could have a go at this again. They've got another roll of the dice at least next season, you would think, right? Yeah. And with that confidence, you've just got to go into the preseason thinking, like the two teams that played in the grand final, we ran both of those teams. To one point. To one point. Yeah. So like we were fucking close. Like we can get closer. Like and like you said, like Dacos maybe goes into the middle. Mm. Like, you know, Pendlebury can go back to where Dacos is playing and play that sort of like role I mean, and Dacos can play in the guts. Nick Dacos builds a tank and has some endurance and can run like out a whole game. Like imagine the damage right. he can do when he's got freedom to roam around the whole ground. Like it's got yeah. to be insane. Well, he could be like a Sam Walsh by yeah. next year. Yeah. Gary Ablett. Um, you know who's a weird unit um, is Braden Maynard. Uh, did you see <laughs> the little interaction he had with Buddy? Yeah, I did. Is, oh, you're talking about when he tried to wipe the oil off his arms, I right? I certainly am. But straight afterwards, Maynard was having a bit of a joke trying to wipe the oil off Bud's shoulders. 
just letting him know that he'll try and have a little bit more touch and feel, get a bit of grip on him. See some strange things occasionally. I don't think I've ever seen a defender try and rub the oil off the forward's arms. Here's to going. <laughs> I mean, Took Miller's arms, you'd understand. Yeah, Irresistible. Right. Of course, not rubbing the oil off, rubbing the oil on. But I guess Buddy is similar, right? If you have the opportunity to rub Lance Franklin's oily arms, mm. you take that opportunity. Like I'm not even saying I'm not even saying that's something that I desire to do because it's not. It's never crossed my mo- mind until that moment. But mm. I now think that if I was ever in the position where I could get away with doing it, I would absolutely do it. Right well, think, for the story. Yeah, you'd abs- like to know, right? And I think that Braden Maynard too, like as a player and a defender, he sort of reminds me a bit of Mitch Robinson, and he's got that kind of crazy. Yeah intensity where I don't think there's anything malicious in what he does. He's just a competitor no. at the highest level. Cause there was a moment on the fence where they had a bit of, you know, a bit of a scuffle and it look, cause I watched that replay a couple of times and I was like, that looks like an intense, like, you know, Buddy's getting slammed into the fence and Buddy tries to grab the back of his head and he sort of jumper punches him. And it's also sharp and quick and stuff. I'm like, they're not hitting each other, but it has the intensity of it's like, 98% yeah. of a fight. Like they've got everything leading up apart from the actual physical hit at the end. But then at the same time, they just, well, mainly Maynard, he just breaks from it as if that's just par for the course. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to shove you into the fence. We're going to like jump a punch a few times and then I'm going to break away and think about the next yeah. play. John's and so like then a few minutes later, you see him rubbing oil on the arms. It's like, oh, yeah. he's just a dude who's like, I'm just going to yeah. be the most irritating thorn yeah. on the side. You won't know. I might even try and kiss you, yeah. bud. But I won't tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I might even try and kiss you. Unpredictable. Yeah. I'm a madman. Yeah. You won't know what I'm going to do next because I don't know what I'm going to do next. <laughs> I'm crazy with a capital K. <laughs> Yeah, it's true though. I think that that was absolutely his tactic. I don't think it, I do agree with Podcast Mike, obviously one of the <laughs> finest minds when it comes to the game that perhaps um, Darcy Moore, like, you know, it, it felt like that was a weird choice. I understand, you know, you can understand what they were trying to do, but it didn't feel like it was the right choice on the night to me. Now we've already sort of touched uh, on the cats and the pies. It was such a disappointing game, especially disappointing for like Chris Fagan. Like you sort of felt like, I think emotionally I wanted the Lions to win just because I wanted to see Chris Fagan happy. But then in the cold hard light of day, you're like, well, they kind of played their grand final the week before against Melbourne. Um, But it wasn't just the Lions who were struggling. Uh, You noticed something, Uh, someone in the commentary box was struggling. Well, here's what I have noticed about the final series is we make a little bit of fun of the, you know, the the Foxtel commentary team. But when you're only listening to the Channel 7 commentary, like, oh, my God, it is terrible. Like, they're not all terrible. Like, there are stars among the lineup, but a lot of it is terrible. And BT, I, yeah, I mean, look, I know I'm not alone in finding BT frustrating, but he is a terrible football commentator and... He even lost the entire confidence of the box uh, twice uh, that I, I want to bring you. So exhibit A is what I'm going to roll into the first time when, it, like during the third quarter of the grand final last year, as I said on our grand final show, BT said that Bontempelli was going to win the Norm Smith medal and the Bulldogs will get there. I was going to say, and I said out loud to nobody in my house, shut the fuck up, Brian, right? Now, so... This is what a category of when the rest of the commentary team have joined my call of shut the fuck up, Brian. So this is Exhibit A. Anyone in this game that has a concussion will not play in the grand final. That is the ruling. Do you think BT going forward they'd like to change that by so we don't have a situation where that occurs? Let's hope it doesn't tonight. But isn't it about protecting the player, Richo? It's not about just because it's a grand final he can play. No, I reckon you've got to change it. Mm, gee, support you there, Richo. I think Richo means wedge a buy-in between prelims and grand final. Yeah, change the buy from before the finals to before the grand final. Please, we've got enough now, Richo. Oh, not an extra one. (laughs) Just change the one we already have, Chris. Come on, Richo. Let's not try and reinvent the world. Absolutely. Okay, so there's so much of this that we need to unpack because, firstly, Brian's complete misunderstanding of what Richo was saying is... Like really apparent, and and Hodgie or is it Job? Like, but somebody tries to chip in. It's Hodgie because Job okay. did Job did this one's game. So like Hodgie chips in and he's like, you know, this is a good idea, Richard. You know, like instead of the first week by, we have the buy before the grand final. Like yeah. you know, we all understand this concept. 
it happened. Like we we under we we get like you know this is the um you know, new world and people have been having this debate and is it better to get all the teams right for the first week of the finals or is it better to have that time for the two grand finalists to get their teams in this? This is a much debated issue around the AFL. And then Daisy. I mean, she's no Wayne Carey because, you know, she still has a job at Channel 7. (laughs) But Daisy is like, you know what, I can't deal with this fucking bullshit. I'm just going to explain it <laughs> like i'm going to do the reverse of mansplaining i'm going to explain to bt a football professional commentator what richo was saying i'm going to clear this up yeah and then when she clears it up and richo reiterates that that was what he was trying to say brian still still will not get on board with this concept thinks this is a foreign concept to <laughs> like anyone in the afl that it's never been debated or discussed it's one of the things that's on the agenda like, do you agree? What it was to me was that scene from Anchorman where yeah. he's trying to tell Veronica Corningstone that San Diego means Wales vagina. And yeah. she's like, no, it actually literally means St. Diego. Like, that's what the name means. And realizing he's wrong rather than admit it, he goes, well, we'll agree to disagree. He doubles down. <laughs> and that's what he says. It's, Let's not reinvent the wheel. No one's fucking no, saying reinvent the wheel. Well, They're saying move it from one spot to the next. I think if you really identify this audio, this is the bit that I really love is he's lost all confidence at this point, BT. Yeah. And I don't think he says we don't want to reinvent the wheel, Richo. I believe he says we don't want to reinvent the well, Richo. Come on, Richo. Let's not try and reinvent the world. So he is so thrown that he does not even get the expression that he's trying to get out. And he is apparently the best commentator in the entire game. But that they were not done. Like, mm. you know, the cock had crowed three times and everybody <laughs> had been like, we don't know Brian Taylor, never heard of him. <laughs> but later on in the game, there was another incident. What I want to know, Richo, is if you were coach, would you be willing to take one or two more off and play short? Uh, We've got four and a half minutes, Richo. No. You're 67 no. points in front, Richo. And you don't want to take Paddy Dangerfield no. off? No, I don't think so. I don't think you'd do that. Daisy, come on. No, I don't think so. Be daring. McCluggage. Little snap. Hodgie, surely you'll save me on this. <laughs> okay, Dave. You're on your own. You know what you do? You just tell the runner to go out and just tell Danger to stand still instead of coming off the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, I will get to it. But my favourite bit was Richo's solution. It's like, rather than take him off, just get yeah. the runner out and tell Dangerfield <laughs> to stand yeah. still, to play statues, essentially. Richo's been watching too much Bluey. Oh, uh, that's man. so great. <laughs> just well, just the, no, just, Brian. He, Brian no. Taylor's the guy at 3 a.m. who doesn't want the party to end. <laughs> He's like, you know what we should do? We'll go out, we'll get some more, and we'll go to this other nightclub. Who's yeah. with me? Daisy? Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Richard? No, I'm going I don't think so. No, i got to go work tomorrow. Doesn't Hodgie, like a good come on, idea. Hodgie. You're always up for a party. Nah, nah. Not, nah, not this time, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so wonderful oh. to watch. Um, we touched on the Brownlow briefly. A um, uh, uh, podcast Mike uh, pointed out, my highlight of the entire broadcast was the footage of Christian Petrarca, like saying, when uh, Gil calls him Petrarca, to seem to say Petrarca for fuck's sake. And it is <laughs> the most perfectly lip-readable moment of the entire <laughs> broadcast. But this other thing was happening, Will, and I need to get your thoughts on this because... Uh, I feel like this was some kind of pre-organized thing or it's a sign of like the memeable youth because every time the cameras cut to the tables for a nominee, mm. they were doing something goofy and wacky. They were putting on shades. They were like sniffing their wine. Like they were, you know, preparing to, pretending to mm. taste their food. Like is this where we're at? Is this like meme culture? It's like, hey, everything's a meme, everything's a gag. Or do you think the players, like the Players Association at the start of the year, <laughs> said here's yeah. what we're going to do for the Brownlow broadcast? Sunglasses. Bring your sunglasses. I do think that you, you're right. I do think it is. Is this your unique observation or did you hear somebody else? Say <laughs> you that think it was I just culture? stole it off one of the other. Oh, I'm just interested because. <laughs> no, this is my unique observation. Yeah. You know what? This is a good take. I like this take. I think that's exactly what it is. This is a generation that have grown up knowing 
that regardless of what they do on the night, that it is going to be memefied anyway, right? So they might as well own that. They might as well front foot the fact that they're going to be used as memes. I mean, I kind of the I the, what came to me is like two Instagram accounts that we follow, AFL memes and No Context AFL, were inundated. Like No Context AFL was blowing up because there was so many memeable moments like you know there's uh Bontempelli putting his sunglasses on there's Jeremy Cameron eating a piece of watermelon you know that's the there's Libba like swilling a, a glass of wine there was just so much happening Charlie Cameron even got in on the action you're right like I do I actually think that's what it is it's getting on the front foot in the new media battle social media yeah I mean is there an opportunity for this to like translate to onto the field like, is there a chance that after a spectacular mark or as a player's lining up for goals that they might create a memorable moment? Like, well, doesn't Dersma kind of do that with his... I mean, that's, that's that kind of his memeing, right? Like, Charlie Cameron with his, like, you know, motorbike. Revving the motorbike. That's more of a that's, touchdown celebration. I, I know, like but... I see next it, season Charlie Cameron just plank. He kicks a goal, he just runs up to the fence and he just goes stiff as a board, face down on the edge of the fence and just planks. Now, can I just ask you... Yeah. It was planking the most relevant example you could come up <laughs> well, how long with ago to was describe? That? Like 10 years ago, I reckon. I don't know. Well, what else? What, what are they doing now? Do the Macarena. The Mac you know, get the kids on board. Can he moonwalk or something? <laughs> I think that's culturally insensitive these days. Now, Will, you've got a uh, deep insight into the game rivaled only by our very own podcast, Mike. And uh -huh. you made... A prediction of sorts a few weeks back. So you said, wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if Carlton not only had the Coleman medal winner yes. and last year's Coleman winner, but they also had this year's Brownlee medal winner and congratulations, sir, you got your yeah. wish. And you know what? I was right. Not about the prediction. That was just a fluke. But here's what I was right. It was funny. I found it funny. <laughs> it did amuse me. I was absolutely right. The fact that Cripps wins by one vote getting three votes in a game that he absolutely should not have been playing and that the Blues have, like you said, the Coleman medalists in a season, they have the Brownlow medalists in the season and did not make the finals is funny. And the fact that it has happened so rarely in history. So can you remember any other times? Like I know like there's only three examples uh, in the last like 50 years or 60 years and you will not know one of them. One of them was Carlton again in the 60s. So what was the question? There was three examples of what? of uh, a year where the Brownlow medalists oh, okay. the and medalist. the Coleman medalists ha have not made the finals. Their team has not made the finals. So there's only like three in the last 60 years. One of them back in the 60s was actually Carlton. Okay. And I didn't recognize the names of the Coleman medalists or the Brownlow medalists, to be honest. But uh, um, there are two other times in uh, recent history that it has happened. One of them you should actually know about. Would it be uh, Rob Harvey? No. So is it? So it's St Kilda, clearly. It's St Kilda, and so we had the Coleman medalist and the Brownlow medalist in it, in it. But we didn't play finals. Or we didn't win the grand final. Didn't play finals. I think is what the stat was. Um, well, so it has to be older than Rob Harvey because we played finals in both his Brownlow wedding seasons. So it would be Tone. Tony Lockett was the Coleman medalist and the Brownlow medalist, and we didn't make finals. Yes, oh, that's a good correct. bit of trivia. Yes, yeah. and the other one. Uh, is a team, it's in recent history, uh, the players are both still playing. Oh, interesting. Brownland medalist. Are they still playing in the same team together? They are still playing in the same team together. Um, who are recent Coleman medalists? Ben Brown? No. Who? who Go back further. They okay. still play together, but this was early in their evolution. Okay. Um I'm thinking Josh Kennedy. No. Yeah. It's easy to think of Coleman medalists than Brownlow medalists. Is it – who kicked goals before, between Col – uh, Lance Franklin? No. no there's no Brownlow medalists. No. No. Am I getting close? Uh, uh, Era-wise, you're getting closer. Yeah. Okay. Who else kicked goals? Um, shit. I don't know. I really – I can't think of anyone. Uh, to... One of one of them is a two guys one cup favorite topic of conversation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Favorite we have been topic. both very complimentary about him and not so complimentary about him 
Uh, he won a Brownlow medal is what I'm going to say. Uh, we have talked not only about his capacity on the field but also the way that he presents himself to perform that capacity on the field. Oh, um, Patrick Dangerfield? No. no. We believe that he would definitely spend no more than $18 oh, on his haircut. Trent Cotchin. Okay, well, that's why. <laughs> he, didn't actually, he didn't actually win a Brownlow. <laughs> yes, he did. He won the Brownlow medal. Trent Cotchin and... Trent Cotchin and uh, uh, Tom Lynch, Jack Revolt. Jack Revolt. Yeah. What year was that? The year that oh, he won the, won the Brownlow medal. Yeah, but was it, did they, oh, okay, yeah, sure, cool, of course. <laughs> I was going to say it's retroactively uh, awarded, isn't it? It's not like when they, yeah. uh, two years after the scandal, it's like, <laughs> no, hey, no, no, they, you get a Brownlow yeah, this year as well. He didn't win the Coleman the year they awarded him the Brownlow medal. No, that would be absolutely cheating the system. <laughs> now, uh, a lot of people are excited that a Geelong are through to the grand final. It's the Vin uh, perennial bridesmaids the last decade. Mm -hmm. Um, one person who seemed slightly annoyed by the prospect was uh, Nick Revolt, who on the Saturday rub uh, took the opportunity to just have one, perhaps, final pot shot at a non-premiership player, <laughs> Reece Stanley. There was a moment last night where Reece Stanley, he went to kick one through the corridor and it, it wasn't a great option. And there was only one way that it could be cleaned up, and it was Joel going back Good hands with, with courage. Just, yeah. just did yeah. enough, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. The ball went... Mate, like, that is one of the best moments in that game because Selwood did save that moment. There's no doubt. This, but it turned into a, a great moment and a great moment Walker for Geelong. The goal. Yeah. And, like, you're really going out of your way to give Reece Stanley a pot shot there <laughs> because that is ex that's like how Collingwood play all the time. Like, that's their entire game style is, like, you know, take that risk and then, like, see if it turns into something. Like, you trust your players to turn it into a moment. But also... Can I just quickly say, Joel Selwood, yeah. like he's he breaks Michael Tuck's record for um for finals played next week. He has played two years worth of finals. Like that's two seasons. If he played two full seasons of finals, that's his record. I I heard a guy like on what Jared Whateley show this morning like say the stat that I think one in every eleven games in his career statistically has been a final. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember how old Michael Tuck seemed when we were kids? Yes. Like it's like that guy's way too old. Like he, what's he still doing playing football? He had the beard and stuff. And so that's what Joel Selwood is to yeah. like 10-year-olds all around Australia. They must look at him and go, look at that old man. He's been around forever. But he doesn't seem to be that different a player. Like he's always sort no. of looked and played almost the same, right? It's not like he... You know, Ablett had to change his game a bit after the shoulder injuries and stuff. Joel Selwood's always just kind of played the game the same way. And, like, he proved that he still can. Like, he probably can't, like, 20 weeks a year. You can't rely on him yeah. for that. But in big moments in finals, you're happy to have Joel Selwood play. And so what do you think, like, if you had to say, yeah, what's his defining characteristic? If you had to describe him as a midfielder? Um, determination. Like, he just wants it. Contested yeah, ball. Like, he just winner. wants it more than... Like, I mean, you know, it's the cliche of Joel Selwood that he runs off the field with, the, like, his head bleeding all the time. But the truth is that's how he plays, right? Like, he just, you know, if it's yeah. a contest between you and Joel Selwood that he's going to be doing his best to get it. Like, that's that's his defining characteristic. And, yeah. I also, I think his skills are underrated, though. Like, he's actually a really, he's, he, well, he's a bit, he reminds me, not he reminds me, Luke Parker, I think, is a similar style player where they're incredibly tough but then execute beautifully when they have to under pressure. He's a good decision maker too. He's not like one of those people who just yeah. plays his way. Yeah, I mean, he is, they have been blessed with a, like a bunch of, like remember when Tom Hawkins, do you remember like just the first bit of his career, everyone was like, he's, yeah, when everyone yeah, said he was he's, a he's dud. He's been a dud and a disappointment. But the second half of his career, I mean, this year he was all Australian captain and he had like an okay game last final, like, but, he, like, I mean, he could have kicked eight goals in that game. Like, if he'd kicked straight in the first yeah. half. He was, like, amazing. He was uncharacteristically uh, um, inaccurate. Like, there were some goals that he missed. It's like that. You sort of always put it in the book with him. But it's weird, isn't it? Because the sort of, the slam on, on Geelong was that, oh, it's the, you know, uh, Geelong retirement village. Like, they've just got all these old players. But then you sort of watched them on Friday and it's like, yeah, but they're all, like, they're, they're like yeah. the expendables. They're all these fucking grizzled 
old yeah. monsters. Like, yeah, they are That's, old. This but is all, what we're like, here for. They're extremely yeah, good at what a, they do. This is what we're yeah. in the business of, making finals and playing finals. Oh. Yeah. No, yeah. they're a good side. Uh, Will, um, got some good news. Uh, Dwayne Russell oh. won an award uh, this week, or last week, sorry, for the, I believe it is the Australian Football okay. Media Awards oh, yeah. or Association. Yeah. Um, he won Best TV Match Caller. Well, you, you don't, you don't. No, I mean. You think Daisy. Well, she's not a caller, though. She's special comments. I mean, look, we've got Howie. more value out of Dwayne than we have out of any other caller. So I guess. Well, here's um, the thing, right? You're talking about BT before. BT doesn't bother me quite as much as JB. Like, I think with BT, I get it. I understand what it is. And so I've just already kind of like, I've filtered it out. He doesn't irritate me. But JB is kind of like mock, like it's kind of like forced jingoism and, you know, sticking out the jig and all that kind of, for some reason that grates me more because it just feels a little more pretentious. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. That, that jars. But Dwayne Russell is kind of like a mix yeah. of the two of them because he's got that kind of definitely like very jingoistic. Like and he's, got yeah. That, yeah. But it sort of feels like there's at least a nod and a wink coming from Dwayne. Like with with JB, it feels like too earnest and, and eager. With BT, it feels like completely unimaginative and misguided and clearly <laughs> sometimes doesn't even know well, what he's committee, talking about. Committee was like just the best. Like he was so good. And I think that... There is no, you know, Dennis Committee. There's no one of the standard of the caller of Dennis Committee like commentating on the AFL at the moment. But Dwayne is as close to that as as we have at the moment. Like I think, you know, he's yeah. he's not trying to be JB or BT. He's and he's not trying to be a straight ahead caller like, you know, like Hutto or Howie or you know, he's the a color commentator. But, but a, like uh, you know, he can call the play in a way that is like he's a good like you know call of the play caller, but he's also trying to be entertaining. Yeah. So uh, this meme was revived. I think this is a bit older. Someone sent it to us. It's a Dwayne Russell bingo card. So I thought oh, we could have a bit of game okay. of blankety blanks where I give you some Dwayne Russell, uh, uh, common Dwayne Russell phrases and you complete okay. All the right. sentence. So okay. start off easy. Um, that's as good as it blank. Um, it gets... Correct. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. Do you think that's well a done. reference to the movie As Good As It Gets? Because you know Dwayne, he probably just saw As Good As It Gets on the way in. He was like, I'm going to drop this into the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. All right, I'm going to put yes. two blanks in this one. He blanked it before he blanked it. He uh, spent it before he bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because I always thought it was spent it before he had it. But on this bingo card, it spent it before he earned it. And I don't know if that's actually like a Dwayne said that or the person creating this has just sort of misunderstood it. But spent it before he bought it. Spent it before he earned it. Okay. Um, Player X has got their blank back. Oh, so Mojo? Yes, correct. It's going to give okay. you an Austin Powers clue, but you know that. He picks it up off the blank. Um, he Deck? Oh, correct. Will, you, oh. you got it. <laughs> now, this, right. I think, is more of a BT. Yeah. I think this, this has been misappropriated. Okay. Um, when you give the opposition a blank, a blank and blank. A shake and a bake. Yeah, that's BT, right? Oh, no, I think Dwayne's a shake and baker as well. Um, so, you know, uh, for, the, for the pies on Saturday in those final moments, you might say, this is the last blank of the blank. Uh, roll of the dice. <laughs> yes, great. <laughs> All right, so you're an inside midfielder. Okay. And you dish it to a like your winger. You say, he can blank it and blank. Give it and go? Get it and go. Oh. <laughs> you're close though. <laughs> if you're a, uh, a twinkle toes midfielder, like oh. an Isaac Rankin, you might say, you show them a blank step. Uh, oh, show, uh, is it as simple as dance step? It or is, is as it simple like, as dance okay. step. Yeah. Uh, okay, now this is a real, I can totally hear Dwayne say this. Mm. So like, this, that's a long range goal from Tom Hawkins or something. Okay. He'll say, the goal umpire does not blank. Move. <laughs> does not move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he does loves that move. one, doesn't he? <laughs> yep. Now this one, I don't, I'm going to, it is a Dwayneism, but mm. I don't know how, I can't blank it because it's just, he something, he, they give you two options. He 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 blanks it. Um, 
he's talking about like, you know, like it's like if someone, it's a really good kick, you know, like it's a just direct low hard kick to a, um, uh, okay. one he, is a weapon. Yeah. He, um, oh, he, oh, oh, cause I was going to say he bullets it. No, he, um, he doesn't bullet it. He, um, it begins with an S, a weapon that begins with S. Uh, he, um, scissors it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess in the wrong hand, scissors are a weapon. He spears it. He spears oh, it. Of course. Um, the other one is something that you might do to a na- naughty child. He smacks it. <laughs> Get close. What's a synonym for smack? He slaps it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're in the right ballpark. Another. He, uh, um, could also be like you know a, a bit of like you know S and M naughty. Spanks it. He of spanks course. it. He spanks it. I can hear Dwayne saying it. Did now. he kick it? You blank. You bet he You bet. Did. You don't know the just one. If I say blank, it's just one word. Oh yeah, good point. Um this could blank the blank down. Uh bring the house down. Yep. <laughs> okay, so if you Richmond do this a lot, if you just like blast a ball into your Ford 50, that's blank ball. Chaos. Chaos oh, ball. Chaos. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> This is, I think, this is more a. Um, who was that rugby union player who did that little, you know, um, in the late, in the sort of nineties? Oh, Goose Step, Ca- yeah. David Campese. Yeah, he, it was another name for Goose Step. It's kind of like you uh, give someone something the, blank step. Uh, the uh, side step, the drop the, step. Uh, it's the drop oh, step. The drop That's step. hard. I never, I never would have got that. Um, now this is very, very Dwayne. Okay. Nothing is just goodwill. It's blank good. Oh, um, nothing is good. It's blank good. Like he when he when he thinks something's not nothing. It's not just good. It's blank good. Some could say it's insensitive um, to people in our community who suffer from mental illness. Oh, it's insane. It's insanely good. It's, <laughs> no, I bet you're in the right ballpark. It's mentally. It's <laughs> mental. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's mad good. It's um, synonym for mad. Mad. Um, it's uh, insane. It's, it's crazy uh, good. Crazy good. Okay, so if a team is trailing, but they kick a couple in a row, uh-huh. this could be a blank starter. Um, this could be a. Um, so the, you know, the, 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 also like, a, a a Stephen King novel, a fire starter, a fire starter, and then yeah, the last okay. one, if you're a defender, to say you're under the pump, mm. and you handball to someone in trouble, you he made it somebody else's blank problem. That's right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> someone else's problem. <laughs> Dwayne Russell is laying it up pretty good. Okay, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. All right. Well, before we finish up, let's go. Yes to our mailbag. Um, this is a very interesting um, message I got from someone called Tom on Instagram. He sent me a link um, to a news story about an Adelaide player who just retired. And he said, this guy is the ultimate Jake Lloyd, 189 games. And I honestly had no idea who he was. Do you know who I'm talking about? Adelaide defender, 189 games. has just announced his retirement. <sighs> Rory Laird? No, he's not a defender. Um, if I said the name Luke Brown, I, no, I never does not ring a bell. Heard 189 games. That's, That's a lot of games. Got to be a misprint. I, I think I think he played 1.89 games, <laughs> and then he had an injury and he's never played again. I feel like I've been Mandela affected. I'm like, hang on, there was never a player who played for Adelaide called Luke, Luke Brown. Brown. Like, that sounds up a, like a made-up name to blend he in. he is a total Jake Lloyd because I'm looking at his face and it's like mm. he has hair, darkish, yeah. not not really black, not really brown, and a face. That's it. No face. I couldn't even describe what it is white, but that's it. I can't really describe any other defining features. <laughs> so His name is Brown and he's white. This is all we know about him at this point. Uh, Nathaniel has written in saying, Hey, lads, uh, it's so obvious now um, with the dweeb, I think he means the twerp, doing this amazing fun run uh, uh, for charity and uh, that good old Gil McLaughlin is doing an old-fashioned baby face turn for Kane and turning Lingy 
into the new heel of the media landscape. I can't believe I didn't see this yeah. sooner. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. You've, oh, you've got to keep it fresh. Yeah. Got to keep it interesting. It was weird at the Brownlow that Gil said we're about <laughs> to enter phase four of the AFL universe. So I guess that's what it is, right? It's a, it's a soft reboot. This is what I love. Julian says, you both want the Swans to win, yeah? Charlie, because of Paddy and Will to atone for the 2016 robbery. I don't know if I, to be honest, like I'm kind of disappointed that I have to choose between Sydney and Geelong winning a flag. I'm like, I would have preferred someone else. Um, but I guess I have to go for Sydney because my dislike of Geelong is longer. But like I said, seeing all those smug Sydney fans on Saturday made me think I'd like to see them upset. <laughs> so like if schadenfreude is a thing, and it is, because clearly Will has demonstrated it with his uh, enjoyment of the Ds bombing out of, of the finals, then, yeah, I think I want to see Geelong win. I want to see Geelong win. Right. I think... I, you I got think your dad, though. My, yeah. I think because my dad barracks for Geelong, I want to see Geelong win. But I also, I, I think, like, these are the two best teams that were in the competition this year, and... What, whichever of them wins deserves to win. Like, I don't think you could walk away from that the, the game and go, like, oh, that team, like, you know, were unlucky to have lost. Like, if they talk about 2016 as being like a robbery by the Bulldogs, there's no robbery in this game, yeah. right? Like, you know, one of these two teams is going to win and they will deserve to have won. But I, I still believe that Geelong at their best is better than Sydney at their best. Yeah. But I don't know whether – it just depends on the day who's able to produce Well, it feels like with Geelong that, right? you've got the battle-hardened old heads and with Sydney you've got more youth. So it feels like Geelong a better place from an experience point of view, but that kind of enthusiasm. But the thing that I also think is a factor is that the Cats had a training drill on Friday. Like they rested players, they didn't have to, whereas Sydney got bashed up. Like it was hard to tell whether Sydney ran out of steam or – Collingwood are just that fit because it did look like in that last quarter that the Swans just couldn't cover the ground. They just looked heavy legs and just bad, poor decision-making, making mistakes under pressure. Well, a lot of, what a lot of people didn't mention after the game was they'd been listening to Brian Taylor the night before and so they'd sent out the runner to tell their players to stand still. They couldn't take them off the field <laughs> like at halftime. But just if you could just play statues in the second half. Uh, Laura says, the stand rule, stay or go. Keep it. I mean, best, just the, best the game's never ever. been as good as it is now. And I don't know what anyone's problem with it is. Like either teams are now countering by like going outside five, right? So that gives them an opportunity to move around. And I don't mind that because it just moves the game forward with that momentum. The 666 has been amazing. It means that you can, doesn't matter how far behind you are, you, like the best way. I mean, I was excited about that Collingwood game when Sydney, uh, sorry, um, the Collingwood game when Sydney got so far ahead because I knew at that point that either you were just going to see this Sydney keep playing good football to win or that Collingwood, like now they had no choice but to just like attack, attack, attack. attack. And that's what you wanted to see. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Geelong, I, th I think Ge Ge Geelong win the grand final and I think I'm going to be happy about it. But if Sydney win, it's good result. Yeah, I don't feel too bad about either winning, but I don't feel too good about it either. <laughs> very ambivalent. <laughs> How would you have felt if it was Collingwood? Like, you I actually think I would have got behind it Would you it have enjoyed that more than either of these I think things? so. I just don't think that the Swans and Geelong have endured enough hardship for the story to be interesting enough to me. I love an underdog story. You look at where Collingwood were last year. Like, you know, the whole fucking, their season fell apart. They lost their coach. They lost their president. They should not, everyone predicted them to be bottom four. Whereas the Swans, it's like, oh yeah, we finished bottom four a couple of years, but now we're a force again. Nothing bad happened. Nothing catastrophic happened at that time. Geelong have been the model of consistency. That's not, as a writer, Will, that is not interesting. You cannot overpower your characters. You've got to give them flaws. Patrick Dangerfield gets an opportunity to win a premiership and complete his legend. And he played very well. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see Danger finally have some success in his career. You're right. Oh, okay, all right. You're that guy. I see. What about the fact that Reese Stanley 
winning the Norm Smith medal is going to make Rui neck himself on the final well, okay. episode of After the Game or whatever it's called. That I can get behind. Ray Stanley winning a premiership medal and having that over yeah. Rui for the rest of his life. Or Paddy McCartan winning um, a premiership medal for the Swans. I can also get behind, even though it fucking makes me feel a bit sick as well. I mean, is there a chance that Ray Stanley wins the Norm Smith medal, gets up there and like does the Mark Williams to Rui? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and, and Nick Rewalt, you were wrong. It just gets, yeah, it gets Nick Rewalt's book and just tears out the pages, yeah. re <laughs> T. Bruce wants to know how Will feels about Dunkley's trade request. Uh, I'm super disappointed because he is a quality person and a quality footballer. Like he was our top vote getter at the Brownlow. He had one of his best ever seasons. Like, and he's just a genuinely good human. Like, and the fact that he, if the, the rumours are around are true, that like part of the reason that he wanted to live was, leave was that he doesn't think some of the other players live up to the, you know, the standards that he sets for himself, then that's disappointing too because A, you don't want to lose that sort of player, but B, it's disappointing if that player doesn't want to stay like in the organisation yeah. that you support. So that's not great. But I wish him the best of all, you know, luck. I mean, if he can get like a whatever, a five or six year deal at $750,000 a year, then like the Bulldogs need to have some salary cap room to get the players that we need. We we need to like, I, it makes sense to me in a way that like we've got plenty of midfielders, like he is a gun player um, and I wish he'd stayed at the club. But if it frees up, you know, draft choices and, and salary cap to you know, bring in the, those other players that we need to have a decent crack at it, then I think, you know, good luck to him. Uh, Nick, Nickery, Nickery, Nickery Lowe. Charlie, which AFL figures, players, coaches, et cetera, would you most like to see be cast on home and away? Oh, good question. I mean, my answer is always the same. It's Chris Fagan. Mm. <laughs> I want to see Chris Fagan. It's like, like jogging down the beach. Yeah, you know, all right. In a pair of Speedos. And then like he stops to talk to one of the babes, but he trips over. <laughs> Is, like, is there, he falls face first. Is there sand. any chance yes. that it's like, like, so he's not even playing a character. He is Chris Fagan, no, right? No, like, Chris Fagan. Brisbane so, coach Chris, no, Chris Fagan. former Brisbane coach Chris Fagan. So, like, he's retired. They've moved to Summer Bay. And then Summer Bay never really had a um, AFL football team before, like a local, you know, Aussie rules football team. And they decide they're going to get together a team at the Bay. And Chris Fagan, who's retired there, comes out of retirement to coach the the Summer Bay football team. How about that? I think that's a great idea. I mean, but this, so he's playing himself, so he's saying it's just a guest role. I'd like to see him on a three year contract, <laughs> full time. No, no. Well, I'm I'm talking about we could like chart chart the entire course of the season. Oh, how about like this? he's there on holidays and then he comes on board as the coach for the season, like Mighty Ducks style. How about we cast him as Alf's long lost? Half brother, because oh, yeah. Alf, okay. his whole demeanor is he's mm. crotchety and he's old and he's mm -hmm. set in his ways. And in comes his lovable, like his okay. lovable this half brother. And we okay. call him um, what's what's Alf backwards? Flour. <laughs> no, okay, that doesn't work. Ralph, like it, it can rhyme. So his name is Ralph, but he's meant to be the inverse. Flour. His yeah, name's Flour. <laughs> I don't think that's a believable storyline. I believe that we've got to call him Ralph. One can be called Alf and the other one can be called Ralph. All right. Um, if you want to get in touch with this, you can. At Two Guys, One Cup, AFL on Instagram and Twitter. Um, a lot of people sending in that clip of Rui. Um, I'm really glad that... Oh, sorry. We've missed the obvious one. What? I'm just going to say it out loud so people don't hit me up on social media and tell me that I'm an idiot. He's going to be the coach of the local Aussie Rules team, right? So Alf is called... Alf and Chris Fagan is called AFL. Ah, oh, that's best. Cool. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Sorry. Out. That would have been bugging back. you all night. You didn't say <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> From the minute I thought about it for the rest of eternity, I would have been like, I should have just said that. Um, Rich says, by the time the podcast comes out, it might be announced that Tasmania will be getting an AFL team. What are your thoughts? And will Tassie so. win a premiership before St Kilda does? Uh, Thoughts are yes, oh. I'd love to see Tassie. Although I caught up with a couple of people from Tassie on Tuesday at a footy event. Um, I uh, emceed the Saints, co-emceed the Saints best and fairest and talking to a couple of punters. And they said as much as they love Tassie, there's a reason they don't live in Tassie. <laughs> and they found it hard to believe that you would be able to keep players in Tassie. Um, I don't know if the idea of players living in Melbourne, but playing in Tassie is a thing, considering it's only like a 45-minute flight. But I think there would have to be some kind of more flexible living arrangement. 
Because I just don't know how you'd keep that many young men in Tassie. I mean, you'd have to create an environment for them, but it is kind of south south of Geelong, right? Like you've just got to identify those players who want to go to like a club like that and build an identity and have that sort of life. And then I think you've also then got to create, like be responsible for creating some of that life for them. But yeah, it, I, I, that is going to be a challenge. But they've also got to just invest in homegrown Tassie talent. Tassie used to be a great place for football talent and like they've dropped the ball on that. So yeah. they're going to have to develop some home town players as well. Uh, old man wants to know, now he's in a grand final, could you pick Swan Robbie Fox out of a lineup? No, I didn't even know there was God. a player called Robbie Fox at the Swan. No, I, I, I didn't until three weeks ago. <laughs> I'm now aware of him, but I couldn't identify him in a lineup. Uh, James says, is the loss to the Swans by a point after trailing by 36 or so and the Pies have become addicted to backs against the walls? Um, they need a bigger and bigger hit at BATW and finally it was too much. I think there is some, I know you're, being, you're only half serious, but I think there is something yeah. in that, that they need to be yes. motivated by chasing down a They lead. need to get to the point where the style that they have is let's just risk everything, you know, and they need to get to the point where they feel like that isn't an indulgence, right? And you also can't sustain that level of football for the entire game. So they have to actually save the energy to do it, I think. Adam Spence has chimed in, 7.42pm oh, yeah. Eastern Standard Time. The moment that 70% of Australian sports media suddenly realised, fuck, the Swans are actually a chance to win the flag. Keep flying under that radar, Bloods. Weren't they their second best performed team <laughs> in the eighth home and away season? Like, yeah, they've know. done great, guys. I don't know. Like, that, they're not under the, I don't know they're under the I mean, radar. You can't. Swan, the Swans, once upon a time, could adopt underdog status. Uh, not for the last, what, 20 years, 15 years? Also, I did, like, I mean, I like the Bloods culture. You know this. We talk about it all the time, how genuine we think it is. But the amount of people who at the end of that were, like, posting, like, oh, what a great Bloods win. And I was like, no, 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 hang on. You guys nearly fucking choked. You were, <laughs> had this game home and hose and then, like, another team almost mowed you down and could have actually mowed you down. That's not Bloods culture to just barely <laughs> hang on by the bounce of the ball. No, thank you. It's normally there but not in this instance. <laughs> and that's it for the mailbag. Well, one last thing. I'd like to plug our live show, our post-grand final live show, the Sunday, yes. the day after the grand final at the European Beer Cafe in Melbourne. Tickets are selling fast. We have some special guests lined up, which we are moments away from announcing. We just need to Correct. lock them in 100%. Uh, but it'll be me, Michael Chamberlain, Adam Rosenbach, live on stage. Will's going to be phoning in. It's going to be a lot of laughs. We haven't done it live in, what, since two years? Well, I haven't done it live in three years because I had a baby yes. the year before COVID. So this is going to be a uh, first time for me. But they're always heaps and heaps of fun. So um, if you want to come down, um, we'll listen to us bullshit about footy and then afterwards have a chat. We'll, I think I, I, one year I signed some socks. People brought in <laughs> rolls of socks True. to be autographed, I which that. I was more than happy to do. So if that's still a thing, if you want socks autographed, yeah, look, hey, I'm happy to sign some socks. Uh, 4 p.m., European Beer Cafe, the Sunday following the grand final. And that's about it, Will. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, um, I have a TV show. It's called Question Everything. It is back on the ABC uh, next Wednesday night. So post-grand final, if you're looking for something to fill your footy-shaped hole in your world, you can watch that or catch it on ABC iView. And I have a book coming out in a few weeks. It's called I'm Not Fine, Thanks. Um, and I am not fine, thanks. I'm not fine, thanks. I'm not, I, 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 I can't even remember. I think it's called I'm not fine, thanks. And anyway, it will be available in all the ways you can buy a book. And for the final time uh, on Thursday afternoon on Instagram Live, Will and I will be giving yes. our uh, pre-grand final analysis and tips. Um, and then the episodes will be on hiatus for a little bit. Um, if you are so inclined, go to our Instagram page and look at all our tips because as Will says, they're like mini episodes of Two Guys, One Cup. They go for about 20 minutes each. So that'll give you something to fill in the time. And then we'll be back in the off season. We'll do some sporadic um, you know, analysis of, of events as they happen. And then we uh, have plans for an off season show. And then before you know it, it's going to be season 2023, podcast Mike's, Mike's bigger big year of year football. <laughs> Bigger, bigger it's year the bigger of year Sorry, of football. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it doesn't take much to be bigger than this year, to be honest. It's not that impressive. That's it. Play on, not 15. A ball. We are two guys, one